podcast for Jiu-Jitsu Times today. We are going to be interviewing Steve Tuttle. He is a head strength and conditioning coach at Performex Inc. He has also spent the last 16 years training in various martial arts, including Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He is also a three-time cancer survivor, and he talks about his training and how it has helped pull him through that but also how he helps use that strength and conditioning and the martial arts to help other people today. Right, so Steve, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself just to get started? Yeah, um, Steve Tuttle. I'm a head strength and conditioning coach at Performex Inc. in Avon, Indiana. i um, been in the strength and conditioning game since 2009. I received a uh, master's degree in exercise science in uh, 2010, but I started through school working as an assistant strength coach uh, for a collegiate athletics program in 2009, and then uh, got involved. Uh, ma- mainly, I worked with uh, football primarily, but I did uh, some other sports as well, you know, writing programs for track athletes. Uh, and then because of my background in martial arts, um, I started working with guys and gals that, that wanted to compete in combat sports, mixed martial arts, and things of that nature. So I took my strength and conditioning and paired it with my martial arts uh, background to try to figure out how to better prepare people for uh, those type of events. Awesome. So what, what made you even get into strength and conditioning in the first place? Martial arts. <laughs> I started martial arts uh, 16 years ago. Uh, you know, before that, never... I had no experience with weightlifting or, or working out or anything. Played some sports when I was a kid, but but never lifted to to augment those. Mm-hmm. And then started to really research the martial arts and figure out what would make training uh, more effective. You know, the the carryover to real world application. I realized that the training needs to be as close to the real event as possible and um, I realized that uh, to handle the stress of a real situation you need uh, resiliency <laughs> uh, you know things like um, conditioning uh, you need to be able to uh, take that type of stress that type of punishment both emotional and, and physical and I realized that conditioning putting the body through consistent physical tests uh, is, is a good way to do that so I started to look into it a little bit while I was training martial arts, but my uh, my focus was on my main area of studies as an undergrad, which was criminology. So it was more of kind of a hobby, I guess, okay. uh, than my main main drive. And then I was looking at uh, grad school and uh, decided to go the uh, the fitness route. My training at the time was was almost full time, and that just seemed more of a suitable suitable deal for me. Yeah, I got a strength conditioning uh, just to, to better my physical health. You are a cancer survivor, yeah, uh, and it's never stopped you from coming back. It's never stopped you from putting in that work and effort. So, yeah. I mean, what's what's giving you that drive to just keep coming back, even though like it's one of those things where society would look at you and be like, "Oh, it's fine. You don't have to do anything." <laughs> uh, my mother calls me stubborn, um, <laughs> and maybe that has a lot to do with it. Well, so that's what got me started in the martial arts in the first place. I guess it's a personality flaw trait of mine. I don't know what you want to call it. But 
I've always had this internal drive when it comes to doing things that I quote unquote shouldn't be able to do. Um, so I'm, I'm one of those guys, right? Yeah. You can't do this. Okay, watch this. You know, um, so a lot of those stories growing up, you know, you can't climb that tree, it's too dangerous, so I'm going to climb the tree. Right. And, and then break something and <laughs> as a result, but I did it. Darn it. <laughs> Worth it. Yeah. So I, you know, always uh, wanted to do martial arts when I was young and, and could never, never get my mom to sign off on it. And then, so I went away to college out on my own. Woo. So I took every martial arts class I could find. Nice. But that's, I, I guess I've always had that. But it really kicked into gear for me when I first got sick when I was a teenager, um, and I was diagnosed with, with bone cancer. And I had to have a pretty serious surgery. Um, I had a full knee replacement. And as a lot of medical professors or professionals are wanting to do, there was a lot of caution against physical activity. Well, a, a lot of it was caution, but there was also a lot of statements such as "you won't." be able to do this type of activity again, um, no running whatsoever, a lot of speculation about how I would be getting around. I was told that I would probably experience a lot of complications with walking. So the things I wanted to do were were out of the question in the beginning. Now to be fair, this was still pretty new in the game. I'm, I mean, obviously they're still figuring things out with, with the disease, but Sure. A lot of the things I went through at the time were still experimental, um, and especially the procedure I had. It, it wasn't something they really had, you know, nailed down yet. So I understand, you know, that's that's kind of the safe way to go about it, absolutely. But I wasn't satisfied with that answer. I get well, I was a seventeen-year-old kid, right? I just couldn't wrap my mind around right that type of life. I thought, well, there's no way. So I took the rehab very seriously. I was very intense about it, and I, I did more than was prescribed to me. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but I, yeah, I, I went a little above and beyond with it. You know, it got to the point where I was beating the, the prognosis as, as far as the way my rehab would go and how, how it would look afterward nice. and my abilities. And then, yeah, once I got out on my own, I started doing the martial arts and doing the things that I wasn't supposed to be doing. Right. You know, and, and of course, I kept that in the dark. I'm sure most doctors cringe at that, but whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Okay. There you go. <laughs> and and I did, but I really do believe that pushing myself is one of the key factors uh, for me rehabilitating so quickly, and then strengthening that that leg and the bond uh, between prosthesis and my skeletal structure. Like the so I have the replacement, and there's just raw going into the femur. The, the way gains work, right? You you abuse your muscles. You're you're making small little tears, and you're doing damage to the bones, and so they repair themselves and come back stronger for for the next round of abuse you you throw at it. Right. And so I believe um, me handling myself in that manner it helped me to to get stronger and to make that leg leg stronger. So far, it's worked out for me. I mean, yeah, I've never had anything major with that leg. I've had injuries, but other parts of my body. But, right, um, but yeah, that's. I think that's what really did it for me was just the severity of the situation. You know, it was either give in, give up completely, right, and just find that homeostasis and ride it out, or um, you know, improve upon the situation. So 
That's what did it. <laughs> and, and that's how, that's just how I get by, you know. I know every, everybody's story is different, but um, that's what gets me through, <laughs> I guess, right. uh, is, is, is staying physical. And, and well, it, it's always that fear of the next time, if it happens the next time, you know. And, well, for, for me, it did. It's happened a, a couple times now. Right. You know, it, as you know, I just uh, went through the whole big C word uh, a couple of years ago. And again, it was that, that same deal. This definitely was the easiest. I mean, it's never easy, but it wasn't as bad as the first time. I mean, I had no clue what I was going into. Um, right. This time I did. I had kind of a leg up. But uh, I, I had that experience and knowledge pool of, of all of the training that I've done. I mean, I, I knew there was a, a great deal of suck headed my way, but I also knew that I would be able to handle you know, most of the, the physical and, and mental stress. Um, it was, I mean, it was still, obviously there are a lot of bad days, but sure. I, don't, I don't know, it's just having that belief that you can make it make it through, right? Just having that, that kind of fight, that bulldog mentality. Yeah, having all the, the training background and, and uh, martial arts really helped, you know, preparing me for that type of situation. And I guess that's what continues to drive me is just, well, what if there's a next time, you know? So. Yeah, that makes sense. Why do you think strength and conditioning should play into grappling? Because it's one of those things, like in wrestling, people get into it. Like, it's it's obvious wrestling coaches are like, yeah, it's competition. Uh, you should be lifting weights. You should be getting in shape. Why should we still be doing that in, like, jiu-jitsu or judo or something like that? One of the, the basic advantages is back to resiliency. Puts you in better shape, yes, conditioning, all that. But if you push yourself in, you know... Any type of strength and conditioning avenue, whether it be strength training, you know, metabolic conditioning, whatever, it, it gets to a point where you have to push yourself to the next level. It just makes you more resilient. It it gives you the ability to take more punishment. And uh, anyone that's done jujitsu knows that, you know, even though it may be a gentle art, sure, but uh, everyone takes you know a certain amount of, of punishment. Even during you know live roles, I mean, if it's just training, it's still nobody. I'm pretty confident in saying I don't think anyone likes being you know in someone's side control. Right. <laughs> so, but but if if we uh, train ourselves to get used to certain levels of discomfort, you'd be amazed at what you can accomplish the next time. So I think that's the biggest takeaway. You know, beyond yeah, you can be bigger, faster, stronger, etc. Um, it's just getting yourself used to you know certain levels of stress okay so it goes beyond just preparing for competition it's handling the whole thing i i think so i mean i don't think there's much doubt that you know doing some type of physical preparation other than sports specific training aids in in that training or in the competition i mean that's i think that's why it happens you know i'm sure if you look at all sports, there was a time where you just did the sport and that was it. And then people started to see those who were uh, in better physical conditioning and, and then that changes the game. Okay, well now I need to lift weights too. So yeah, it is in competition, but I, but I think it's it's a big, a big picture item. Okay. Uh, there's definitely this myth in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community that somehow lifting weights is just going to make you huge and you're going to gas out all the time. Like People tend to equate weightlifting with bodybuilding. 
Can you help us dispel that myth here a little bit? Yeah, that's, that's a common uh, misconception is that if I lift, I'm going to be bulky. Well, yes and no, you can if that's your goal. <laughs> but it's not necessarily that way. Um, lifting alone won't achieve you that size. Usually your, your size is uh, almost always directly related to your diet. So if you want to be bigger, lift heavy things, but you also have to eat a lot. And then people look at bodybuilders, that's usually the, the classic target. You know, sure. Well, I don't want to be like that. Well, you have to understand what bodybuilding is. I mean, you're, you're sculpting individual specific pieces of your body, you know, usually one body part at a time, and, and you focus solely on that. And plus, if you look at the diet, there's a lot that goes into that. I work with a lot of uh, beginners now, and, and we start them out on basic strength training, and we focus on four main lifts. And uh, they watch their numbers go up, the amount of weight they can push, but usually what happens is their body weight will go down if that's the goal. If their goal is to gain weight, then we achieve that. And that's, that's done through diet as well as lifting. So um, yeah, the, the big misconception is if I lift heavy weights, I'm going to be bulky. You might gain weight, but gaining lean mass is not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> right. um, it's all about keeping the, the fat percentage in check. And it's one of those things, uh, bodybuilders, people tend to forget that that is years of work that those guys have put in. Oh, yeah. I'm, it's not like they lifted for a year and then they were suddenly giant. And No. No, and, and, and bodybuilding is, um, I mean, there's a lot of dedication to, to go in, into bodybuilding. I mean, you know, the, the, the pure aesthetics of it, it, to make sure everything looks a certain way and, and if something is just, an inch or two out of place yeah there, there's a lot of work that goes into that I mean hours and hours in the gym yeah it's not you're not gonna lift three times away a week doing basic strength stuff and then balloon up that's just you know not really how that works right. <laughs> that'd be pretty rad though everybody would be really huge I wish I'd be a lot bigger than I well, that's the <laughs> other thing too I lift on a regular basis and I'm not that big of a guy you know, and, and I have times where I try to put on more weight. You can play around with how you lift as well, but a lot of that has to do with, with diet and the type of, of training you do. Um, but, you know, right now, um, I'm doing a fair amount of conditioning, so my my bulking isn't going to happen that quick. Right. So. Right. Another another thing that comes up in jiu-jitsu a lot is uh, you'll hear people complain, well, I don't have time to do lifting and jujitsu, and I think that's a I think that's a little a legitimate concern for some people with time crunches and whatnot. I myself, I had a period of about six months where I was working three jobs, and mm -hmm. I would go to the gym and lift because it was close, but I couldn't get to jujitsu because it was like an hour away, and we had a long drive, and it just wasn't working for us. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I get that it happens sometimes. But I mean, what kind of advice would you give for people who might just say, I don't have time to do that and jujitsu? <laughs> well, uh, on them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> to draw life lessons from my mother, I would just tell them to make time and do it. Quit being such a baby. But <laughs> I, I understand that, that uh, sometimes t the time crunch thing does happen. I mean, I think. We've all had that experience of, you know, well, if it's, if it's something that's very valuable to me, I will make time. But 
if the time isn't there, you know, I would just say anything is better than nothing. So even if it's trying to come up with some makeshift environment at home, you know, and, and doing even basic body weight training, anything is, is better than nothing until you can uh, get the time in your schedule. I would say make a very concerted effort to to find the time. I mean, um, as you said before, you know, uh, give the you know give your training the seriousness it deserves. And I've always felt that finding that time to better your your physical condition is is going to carry over into whatever sport you're doing. I, I liked one of the things you said there earlier about how it just makes you tougher it makes you more resilient mm -hmm. I think that's one of those things people kind of forget about when it comes to even like the self self-defense aspect mm -hmm. of jiu-jitsu a lot of people say well I don't I don't want to train it for sport so I'm not gonna lift I'm just gonna do jiu-jitsu and like I think there's a certain mindset where there's a touch of merit in that but it's also a little bit of self-deception it's using it as a crutch to avoid something you're scared of, I think. Yeah, I mean, like people who've done uh, even like traditional striking martial arts, it you get tired after you punch and kick for a while. It doesn't take that much, especially in a stressful situation. Exactly. I, I remember I used to do Taekwondo back in the day, and you know, a few jump kicks in, and you're just kind of you're done. Yeah, yeah. At, at that intensity, you know, you're you're doing things. Uh, for realism, I mean, 30 seconds seems like an hour. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, I mean, watching MMA, you will see like matches come down to really who has the better athleticism or conditioning sometimes. It's always almost surprising to see like these guys who just, they look like athletes. And then they're up against the cage, there's like a minute left, and they look at the clock, and you just kind of see their heart drop because they're like, oh, a whole minute left. Like, it's hard, it's rough. I mean, one, one of the most difficult things for people is to willingly throw yourself into discomfort. That's just how we're set up, even our physiology. You know, everything is trying to find that that you know homeostasis. Right. I mean that that steady state. What's the most comfortable? We're always trying to gravitate towards that. I mean, you just look at the basic principles of convenience. Try to make everything as comfortable as possible, so it's easy. As soon as you make that switch in that conscious effort to push yourself, it should happen incrementally. Right, I, I mean, some people can just jump straight in in the deep end and have no problems adjusting. The easier way to approach it is is to make incremental changes, you know. And and cliche example is is you try to find the front parking spot at the grocery store. So right. so one change is right, start parking further away. Things of that nature. That's kind of the mindset uh, one should have is when you're making those changes and even finding the time. Okay, I have no time now. Find one hour a week. And then change it, right? Do that for a week or two, and then the next week, two hours, and then maybe three hours. And same thing with with training. You know, you, next time push yourself a little, a little harder. Go a little longer. Do an extra set. Do an extra rep. Whatever it may be. Yeah, we we have a hard time pushing ourselves. If you can make those changes during training or during during regular life, um, it's gonna make the, the carryover is tremendous. You know, even if you're not doing it for sport, you need to. Try to get to the point where, like I said, training should be as close to the real thing as possible. That way you're not completely um, out of water. <laughs> right. You know, being the whole fish out of, out of water analogy. That, that way you're not completely caught off guard when it happens. I mean, it's still going to be a surprise, sure, just being used to some level of discomfort. 
will, will be a major benefit, I think. Uh, that's been my personal experience, anyway. No, I, I absolutely agree. I've, I've been injured a lot in jiu-jitsu. I've never been injured in the weight room, but mm -hmm. I, I've been injured on the mats often. It's one of those things, like, even if you're being careful, it just happens sometimes. Uh, like, I've got a torn labrum in my right shoulder, and I've had it worked on, and it tore again, and it just, it's it's a bum shoulder, it sucks. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things where, like, I feel I could probably use it as an excuse to not go do things. And I feel like we, we've always got excuses ready. But when I was first starting out, uh, I just talked to somebody who lifted weights, and they suggested a program, they said, do the Bill Star 5x5. It's a good one to start with. And I said, okay. And I had no idea how to actually like do the lift properly. I just kind of like jumped in the gym and started trying. And like I saw some strength gains, but at the same time, like, and I mean, you know, you've worked with me. I build up some really shitty habits. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because it, it got my muscle memory ingrained with like bad lifts. Right. So, I mean, how would you recommend people sort of avoid that sort of thing? You should probably just stay away from it and not lift at all. No. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it's settled. Exactly, yeah. It goes against what I was Interview saying. Interview over. We have, it's funny now, we, we have all the, the great wide interwebs out there, which is a double-edged sword, but there's plenty of information for people to find if, if they know what to look for or are willing to look for it. And that's usually how it starts out with, uh, so I have this program and I go to it. It's kind of like having a recipe, but not really knowing how to cook, that sort of deal. So the programs, I mean, what you got to understand is most everything works, right? Um, and a lot of it is just finding what's what's good for you. But what I would tell someone is either through your own research, seek out the methods behind the lifts. You know, okay, so I have this great program. Well, how do I properly execute this lift? Not what I think a lift is. So you try to look at either governing bodies over certain lifts, you know, like uh, USA weightlifting, anyone that, that governs over uh, powerlifting competitions, I mean, you can go as in-depth as, as looking at methods approved by National Strength and Conditioning Association, uh, bodies like that, that spend their time trying to figure out how to better um, lift or more effectively lift. You can even find, you know, there are a lot of websites, uh, fitness websites that will put tutorial videos up there. So I would say on your own, that's a good thing to do is just always look at what's out there. So kind of do your own research. Look at how people lift, you know, ask someone who lifts a lot, ask them how they do it and see if that matches up with your own research. Aside from that, I mean, you can always consult a professional and that's probably the, the best way to do it. But I know there's, you know, that brings up the whole monetary thing. But a lot of times you can usually go to a professional and just ask and they'll I mean, they'll divulge that knowledge. Sure. I mean, people ask me all the time. I'm not going to charge them for telling them how to bench press properly. You know, <laughs> I mean, the, to me, it, it's a trade. It's trade off. You know, hopefully, I've fixed someone's bench press, sure. and, and so that's fine. But yeah, I would I would say be smart about your research, or go ask someone who's who's in the know, who does that professionally. Because that happens a, a lot. Most of the times, when I get someone who is either a beginner or what I I would consider a beginner. Who, you know they've they've been kind of doing their own thing or just pulling programs off the internet and then they come to me there's usually a lot of issue when it comes to proper form in the lifts lifting incorrectly or um, not doing a full lift like squat would be a classic example having a 400 pound quarter squat well right. <laughs> I don't really 
think I can. I don't know that there's a quarter squat competition. I'm not sure. There might be. Tell me if you find one. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got it down. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I would say first foremost, consult a professional. But um, other than that, do a fair amount of research. I mean, I think it's up to anyone if they get involved in anything. Due diligence, right? Right. So make sure. So you're doing a thing. Make sure that it's on the level. You guys still doing uh, distance learning? Yes, we are. So we're in the, I guess, what you call a, a beta stage of that. Um, it's new for us. Neither myself nor Justin Curtis have done anything with that. So we're, we're playing around with it. Um, so far, so good. I mean, we're, we're trying to iron out the kinks. I mean, from a convenience aspect, it, it works for the clients. Right. Um, obviously, there's not as much one-on-one, hence distance. Yeah, so far, so good. Well, you tell me, you're, you're, you're one of the... Test bunnies. <laughs> it's going well for me, but I still need to come down here once a week and yeah. get feedback on stuff. Yeah. So that's nice because there are times where I get frustrated with something during the week, sure. and then I come down and I get to ask about it and yeah, figure out how to clean it up, and then I get to whine to you about how hard it is. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. <laughs> I'm really good at that. Absolutely. So if somebody <laughs> wanted to get a hold of you guys uh, mm-hmm. for distance learning, how would they do that? Performax Inc. is uh, the name of our business, and we have the social media avenues of communication, so Facebook and then performax.com. Uh, so we have our contact information on So email, phone, whatever. for today thank you everyone for listening if you want to get a hold of steve tuttle or his partner he mentioned justin curtis you can find them at performax inc on facebook you can also find their website performax.com hopefully you will be able to understand the importance of strength and conditioning for your martial arts for your jujitsu self-defense or otherwise after hearing this podcast